Welcome to episode 25 of Developer Melange, the podcast about developing software in the 21st century directly from Vienna, Austria. Developer Melange brings you regular discussions about everything software development. You can find us online on developermelange.github.io and you can follow us on Twitter via at devmelange, that's def, M-E-L-A-N-G-E. We are very keen on learning what you think about this show or the podcast itself. So please reach out for us on Twitter or leave your comments on our website. We appreciate all of your feedback. And now, here are your hosts. My name is David Leitner. I call myself an enthusiastic software professional who is working in different stakes and environments. My name is Paul Rovatska. I'm a test-infected software developer. My name is Christian Haas. I'm a developer who embraces extreme programming. And I'm very happy to announce our two guests for today, Manuel Maturovic and Adrian Bologno. Hi. Welcome to Hi. our show. Hello. Hello. Thank you for Thanks. having us. So we are very happy um, to, to have the, 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 the great rockstars about um, web accessibility today here in our show. So um, well, maybe start with a very open question. What is what is going on in the world of accessibility? Well, the first thing is that there aren't any rock stars in ah. accessibility, so please never call me a rock star again. <laughs> and not an artisan or a PHP ninja, whatever. <laughs> no, uh, accessibility developer uh, advocate, maybe, yeah? No, I would actually, actually call myself just a front-end developer, because um, it's just front-end. Most of the accessibility stuff is just front-end stuff, actually. Definitely. Sounds reasonable, yeah. <laughs> but is accessibility, in your opinion, uh, widely uh, considered among um, web developers? Uh, definitely not, no. But um, we were just talking earlier and um, we were talking about the topics that people or accessibility rock stars or accessibility people talk about. <laughs> you uh, like it, right? <laughs> <laughs> Like um, the topics that accessibility people talk about at uh, conferences and meetups, and uh, we we kind of figured that it's always the same thing. It's just HTML and uh, uh, alt attributes on, on images and so on. So it's not just that accessibility isn't widely considered; it's just that HTML isn't widely considered. Yeah, and unfortunately, it's not taken uh, with the importance that it should have uh, should have been taken. Uh, not only now, but since some years. So that's why we are always seeing the same uh, talking, the same discussion. Because unfortunately, mm, it was never taken as an as important topic. It's not taken. It's not taken as an important topic now. Why do you think it's not? A, it's not taken as an important topic. Uh, I think we um, we uh, in our industry as developers um, want to. It, it looks like we want to make our websites, our app, web applications, beautiful. Uh, but we never thought about those people who are, in, in, in the case of, of web accessibility, visually impaired. So the design really doesn't matter. But for a customer, for a client, uh, or a product owner, product manager, designers, uh, sometimes the design has more weight than... than and uh, the usability and the accessibility. So, so I think we are taking, uh, we are considering accessibility as a post process, as a feature, as a fixed 
for a, for the HTML that, that we we are uh, we are writing uh, when we should consider accessibility as a developer and process. So a part of the development process, the same as we are taking unit tests as part of the development process. Well, we should uh, consider unit testing as the developer process. Do you see accessibility as part of, of UX? Definitely, definitely, but not only. Uh, we need to understand that uh, accessibility, uh, the accessibility responsibility or the responsibility to make our website uh, accessible is not only, um, it doesn't belong to the developer or the designer because it's a responsibility of the whole team starting from stakeholders, PM, uh, UX designers, UI designers and developers. Not only the developer needs to say, hey, we need to do this accessible, but it's your product uh, owner or the feature owner who needs to tell, can you do this accessible? It doesn't have to be uh, bottom up or up to bottom. It needs to, it needs to be cross-functional. Yeah, not just many, many areas. Like, it's not just user experience, but it's also uh, part of the development process or the... the Product quality, not just not just uh, what what the, the the use experience is, but it's how we build a product. So, my my approach when I started with accessibility was an approach from a very developer-centric um, perspective. Like, um, if a site isn't accessible, it doesn't mean that I don't care about. I don't know. Let's say blind people. It just means that I'm doing a shitty job as a developer. I'm not good enough in what I do because if I use a, like a very simple example if I use a diff instead of a button element I don't know what I'm doing so it's also a lot about just code quality and getting the basics right mm -hmm. is it because HTML is so unconstrained yeah, that the browser eats everything which you throw at him yeah? that could be a reason it could also be a reason another reason could also be that the HTML is just so easy like the concept of getting HTML like of learning HTML is easy. You have uh, usually a starting tag and an end tag, or maybe just a single tag and some attributes. It's easy to learn, but it's hard to master. And I just think that people think it's so so easy, and and, and you can just do anything and it will work. And so you already mentioned the visually impaired people. Who are other groups of users that might be affected by bad accessibility, or what situations are typically a, a problem for people in special situations? Um, well, we have uh, we have very recent a, a very famous case in the states. Um, so a blind person uh, accessed uh, the website of Domino's Pizza, wanting to purchase a product from them, uh, but it was not accessible. So what this person uh, did was to uh, sue the Domino's Pizza. The good part and the good news for accessibility is that the uh, uh, court in, in the States give valid uh, reason why you can sue a retail um, website to this person. So that it's not only one factual and situational case, uh, that sets the base of what the retail website needs to be. Um, because if, if, you, if you pass by a shop in the street and you see that um, it only it only can be accessed by stairs. 
is what Manuel just said. You see that the architect did a shitty job. Because it's obvious that if someone came with a wheelchair, we'll never reach uh, the shop. So he or her will never be able to buy the products there. Why is this so obvious in the real world? But it's not so obvious in the online world. So when you see a website, you don't see the, 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 these, these accessibility vulnerabilities are not that obvious for us. So visually impaired people has these problems. They want to use your website, your e-commerce, your webshop, but they cannot do it. So it's not only blind people. Uh, you forgot your glasses at home. You forgot your mouse at home. Your screen is broken because you dropped your computer, but you really need to buy a flight today. You, you really want to use this website, and you are not visually impaired, but you are a situational visually impaired people or person. So it's, I, I like a sentence that I normally use in some talks, which is uh, accessibility is making your website accessible for uh, impaired people is making the, your website accessible for everyone. It really doesn't matter the situation that you need to access the website. Uh, as I said. But, but for example, accessibility, as far as I understood, also has a big impact on, on search engine optimization. Huh? Is it not also an, a benefit you gain from accessibility? Definitely, because again, we're talking about HTML. If you get your HTML right, search engine, mm. engines will like that. If you uh, care about performance, that's also part of accessibility, because if your site is, is slow, it can't be accessed, so it's not accessible. Um, it's a problem for pretty much everyone. Mm -hmm. um, and it's also an issue for search engines because uh, the, your, your ranking will get worse if your site is low. So pretty much everything you do has impact um, in, in different areas. That's why we have uh, this, this code quality thing, but also this uh, user experience <coughs> thing and also usability. Accessibility touches everything. So the answer to your question is it concerns everyone. And um, for example, if someone has just one arm, let's say, uh, they can't use a mouse all the time. But there are also temporary and situational impairments. Like, for example, if you have a broken arm, you can't use a mouse for a certain amount of time. Or uh, one of my favorite examples is at the conference I met a, uh, a, a girl and she told me that she wasn't able to use a mouse for two weeks because she got a forearm tattooed. And it just hurt too much to use a mouse, so she just had to use the keyboard and, and press the tab key. And situational impairment would be, I don't know, like a, a mother holding their baby, for example, and they can't uh, use a mouse, they have to use a keyboard because they have to check uh, something at the same time. So mm -hmm. it, it, at some point in your life, it will concern you in, in, in some way. Maybe not now, maybe not all the time, but uh, at some time. Mm -hmm. And it can also just be that you're, uh, for example, I like to go to Italy on vacation, and uh, Wi-Fi is usually not existing in some parts of Italy, or it's really shitty. Um, and when I have to check something online, I'm really happy when a site is just loads fast. If it's slow, it's not accessible to me, I can't use it, it sucks. Exactly. So I really can relate to your example of the broken laptop screen because I had one where the right part was just black and I had to use the left one and it really turned out that some, some websites were more or better or, or not so good usable in such a small screen. And it, it really affected me very, very strongly. But this this specific case, so you had a part of your of your screen that that is broken, so you cannot see it. That can mimic the someone who can so who has a um, specific injury mm -hmm. in their eyes. 
that's it's called uh, side blindness. Okay. So it's only blind for one side, right, left or right. So they can only see one part of the website. So in the in this part of the world, we read top to bottom, left to right. So what you uh, these experts in content, these rock stars that you were talking about, uh, <laughs> uh, they 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 um, they tell you to put their con the 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 most important content top left and then mm -hmm. make a curve until bottom right because this is what you read mm -hmm. so you're gonna read like this if you if you have um, and a screen broken there then you need to give some context you need to give some valuable information to to the screen readers in this case that someone visually impaired needs to read and how far how far does this reach or how far how much could this topic of accessibility contain uh, the one example that I have for me was when the topic was proposed, it was, it was simply written in a backlog of A11Y. And I had no idea what it, what it was. <laughs> and okay, I, I do know about accessibility and the topic about it, though I, I didn't have the association with it. So with an association with an abbreviation be also accessible then? That's like, like a running joke in the accessibility field. <laughs> that's uh, the numeronym, that's what, what it's called, A11Y, which stands for A, the 11 letters in between, and Y at the end. So it's uh, short for accessibility isn't accessible. So that, that's a, it's a running okay. joke. Yeah. Okay, so it's, it's not accessible, but right. <laughs> usually most people know what it is. And, um, but um, I, I, you, personally, I usually make sure in every talk, if I use it, that I explain it before I, mm -hmm. uh, talk, before I use it, the term. So okay, so you say it's a running joke. So is it, would it then be considered as being part of proper accessibility to avoid, I don't know, two domain or two technical language which might might not be understood by the wider audience that would have would be the proper. Yeah, so definitely. Or you could uh, provide an alternative. For example, um, there is a tag in HTML called ABBR for abbreviations and acronyms. Mm -hmm. And if you add the title attribute to this element, you can um, spell the whole thing in a title attribute. Mm. So if you hover the, the item, a tooltip will show up because you are using the title attribute. But at the same time, some screen readers will read what's in the title attribute instead of the, mm -hmm. the, the short the, the acronym. Mm -hmm. uh, so that, that's one way of providing an alternative to the, 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 the shorthand. So we're talking about HTML. Uh, what are the typical problems that you see? What are the typical uh, things that people are not doing right? And what are some low-hanging fruits for developers? Um, as Manuel just mentioned, we were talking before about the, 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 the question that we answered beforehand, right? Uh, we are talking about the same topics that we've been talking for the last 10 years, right? Um, so, so we one, as an industry so did not learn anything. So one, <laughs> it could be, it could be. Okay. Uh, but one, one big topic um, that I see a lot is to include a description in the alt attribute in the images in HTML. So every IMG image uh, tag in, in HTML should have an alt attribute then then you can have two options if so if, a meaningful a meaningful, a meaningful of course exactly <laughs> um then you can have two options of course you can leave it empty visible so present but empty if it's a decorative image so mm -hmm. it's not relevant to the content that you're watching okay. but if it's relevant then of course it needs to be coherent and meaningful and it's the description of what the image represents it's not what you want to represent with the image 
what what the image represents. So, so what's in the image? What what okay. what do you see in the image? Why, why is it important? Because an image is usually, if it's not decorative, uh, it's usually also content. You want to to transport some kind of information to the user. So what's happening in the image? Mm -hmm. So if someone would take a picture of us right now, then probably the description of the image would be uh, five people. Uh, talking over a. Uh, it would be three people and two rock stars, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so five people talking, uh, dis discussing around a table, drinking a coffee. Okay. That would be the description of what is represented in the image. Uh, it doesn't matter what we are discussing because you cannot. The, the image doesn't represent. Um, it needs to be meaningful. Okay. Uh, I think Manuel just mentioned it before. Maybe you want to talk about this. Is um, and he he mentioned it a lot when he's doing his talks. Is if you want to use a button, use a button. So we've seen a lot of divs uh, style like a button with on-click actions in a non-interactive element. Mm -hmm. uh, anchor links that that with roll button with an on-click action that they are not uh, focusable or they are not. Uh, clickable when we click space or enter. Um, what else do you have? Uh, um, some some basics like, for example, um, a missing language attribute on the HTML element. So you should, for every document you create, um, define the natural language of the document, and you, you do that by defining the language attribute on the HTML element. It makes I guess this is used by the screen readers to to pick the right uh, voice profile. Yeah. Because if you have, a, um, let's say, you set the language to, to English, but uh, the site is in German, the screen reader will read it with a with an English voice. Yeah. Or even worse, it will sound like me uh, when I talk English. If you if it's German and, and English, an English voice profile, it's just okay. just hard hard to understand. One one question. Um, you mentioned that it's it's better to to have an empty alt tag. Than not to have it. Really? Yes. Yeah. Because so if, you, if you have if you an you icon, you should always give it an empty alt yes. tag. Yes. Uh -huh. If it's an image, a tag. Okay. It's an SVG, then we're talking about different stuff. Okay. Uh, maybe actually you should have an area hidden to avoid the SVG to be written. But the, but the button that could be this icon, uh, let's say that we have an X. So it's, it's, it, could, it could be obvious that X for us means closing, but the screen reader. If it's a span, if it's a text, it will read X button. But if it's an image, it will definitely say button, and that's it. So maybe an area label uh, is, ne is needed here to, to express not only the content, but what is more important, at least for me, is the action that is going to be performed when the element is going to be not click but enter or space. Okay, and the second. So, so sorry, just one more thing. Sure. Um, you can leave. Uh, you can use the, the empty alt attribute if there is a text alternative. So if you have a button and there is the word uh, like there's a burger icon, the typical burger icon thingy, and next to it there is the word menu, then you would use the empty alt on the, on the burger icon because you don't need an extra description. You already have a text alternative. But if there's only the icon, you would want to use a description for this icon. Yeah, sure. Makes sense, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because what happens if you uh, leave the icon away is that most screen readers will read the file name. And if your file name is a long hash, it will read this really long hash.jpg. Okay. Really? So it would be quite interesting to, to, to go with a, with a screen reader through, through websites, right? 
to just go through it as a as a sprint routine or whatever, yeah, maybe. I mean, you could do that, but for someone who isn't experienced with a screen reader, it's probably going to be like the, the barriers pretty high you have to learn the shortcuts you have to, okay. to get into it and, and this takes some time but it, it's definitely important that we all do that um, but there are also alternatives if you're using Firefox or Chrome and I guess most of us are using it for development um, you can uh, see what the uh, you can see what the accessible name of a, a given item is so um, if you select there's a accessibility inspector in Firefox or if you right click an item in, in Chrome you can select the accessibility panel and see what what will be read to a screen reader or possibly will be read. So that's much okay. easier for a developer who has, isn't isn't too experienced uh, with screen readers to get into it or to see what, what will be announced to okay. a screen reader okay. or potentially be announced because screen readers are different. Okay. Okay, one more, more point I remember, um, button versus links, yeah? Is the simple rule of thumb, which one to use when? Um, my, I have my own rule of thumb, which is links uh, takes you somewhere, buttons perform an action. I don't know if you agree with that. Yeah, similar, or another one is um, if you would uh, right-click, open a new tab, it's probably a link, otherwise it's a button. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it means that if you click a link, then you're going to end up in a different place. Uh, if you click a button, you could potentially end up in a different place. But before that, some action will be performed. Mm -hmm. It could be an API call, or it could be an open modal, or it could be a checking a form, but it's an action happening. Mm -hmm. While if you click a link, there's no action happening apart from going to somewhere. Yeah, routing. Routing. Definitely. So there is this the over 10, 10 security flaws or top 10 security flaws. Is there a list like top 10 accessibility flaws? Uh, it's nice that you mention it because uh, Manuel started a, it's a new pet project uh, a month ago. No, less no, actually. No, two, two, two weeks ago. It's called HTML. Uh, dot dev. Dot dev. The dot com was taken. Yeah, so HTML. Dot, uh, there. And what it is is a collection of bad practices okay. in real websites. Yeah. So mm -hmm. taken from real website, everyone is open to make pull requests. Yes. I think. Uh, and it's, it's funny and sad at the same time to see that they, that is happening and is is uh, things that they are easy to fix, but they are still happening. So. Yeah, no alt in images using links for, for buttons or the other way around, buttons for links. Um, so, so there is no official list yet or there is no, no commonly agreed list. So if you take this as a pet project, is um, this not a unique one? You could say that the commonly agreed list is whatever um, automatic testing will tell you. So if you're using Lighthouse, for example, that's yeah. built in Chrome, uh, the, the testing tool by uh, Google. Um, they test against like low-hanging fruits or, or common common things or okay. some basics. So, so this would be my next question. So there are already testing tools that can point you if you're not yourself trained to, like I said, on yes. screen readers, for instance. Yeah, Definitely. but they're just a, a starting point. So if you check your website and you get a score of 100 at uh, Lighthouse or if you have zero errors in X or whatever, you're not done. You're just 
getting started. Like this is the first step. If that this means that the the easy things you've done the easy things, now you can start manual testing. Yeah, I mean, ah, okay. the thing is, uh, only twenty to fifty percent of the uh, accessibility issues can can be found uh, via automated tests. Not only in the Chrome, uh, sorry, in the Chrome, in the browser. But there are other uh, testing tools. Uh, Dequie.com uh, is a company that created the Axe uh, family, A-X-E, so Axe okay. family. Uh, so they have some tools you can use. They have React Axe, so you can install it as a dev dependency in your React uh, project. They have Axe in the terminal, so you can run uh, any website against the Axe engine. And they will tell you this, this list that we were talking before, the common issues. Google uh, also uses X, this X core testing oh, really? thing as a basis. Uh -huh. and, uh, and this week was launched the new Wave uh, tool, which is a Chrome uh, extension. Uh, I know it's a Chrome extension, I believe it's a Firefox extension as well. Uh, and it does pretty much the same, it scanned your your uh, web application and tell you where are the vulnerabilities, what are the vulnerabilities, and how to fix them, which is quite important as well, because the same as Dequay has a Dequay University website that you can learn more about it. It's, it's nice to know where is the, the, the uh, where in the code I have the, the issue, uh, what is the issue, and how can I fix it. I mean, uh, educate people to, mm. to, to fix this. Um, I think it's, it's the, this, this education is the important part of, of here. Definitely. And that's also what I'm, um, just to add a thing about the HTML thing. It's not that I'm just pointing fingers at, at people. I, I don't expose where I copied it from. I just say, okay, this is the bad thing I found. Here's what's bad about it. And here's how to, to do it better. So there's, for every bad example, there's also at least one or two solutions on how to fix it. And that's really not about like, like, um, Again, like pointing fingers at people is really about education, just with other sets. It's HTML is easy to learn, but hard to master, and especially I CSS, like and you can also get a lot of things wrong with CSS and JavaScript. Well, like, I guess that's true for many programming languages or many techniques we're using, right? I think that's the same for CSS, it's the same for JavaScript, it's the same for Java, right? It's, yeah, it's but we, we tend to, to forget it, sure. especially with yes. HTML, because it's just so easy. Like the concept is so easy, and everyone says, "Okay, no," and then don't need to to like to to keep learning HTML. You is there something like a craftsmanship community around HTML? The accessibility rock stars. <laughs> <laughs> so you too. <laughs> Never say that. No, cool. Okay. Um, but I want to I, I I want to go back to uh, to one question that we asked before, and we talk about HTML, and and maybe CSS is not very applicable here, because at the end, what we're doing with CSS is styling our website. So vis uh, for visually impaired people, it's uh, may maybe the, the biggest uh, topic, or the, the, the topic with the biggest impact is the outline of the, of the focused element that we can maybe talk later. Hiding content. Hiding content with, with CSS. I'm, I'm somewhat uh, astonished because I thought about bad uh, color contrast, for example, could be a problem for anybody in, in absolutely. Bad situations. There is there is um, uh, two two main standards, which is double A and triple A color contrast um, standards to be redundant. 
And in the Chrome DevTools, the same as in Firefox, you can see that if you inspect a button, so let's say my favorite CSS color is tomato, uh, and if I put the button background tomato and, and the color is white, this, this color contract is not very, it's not very uh, recognizable for someone who is, I don't know, whatever, protanopia or any other color blindness. Uh, so you can inspect this element and it will tell you if it's a, double A, triple A, and you can play around with the uh, color palette, mm -hmm. and then you can figure out what color. They, they draw a, a curve, a graph, and anything under the graph will be to the blacks, and the, the darkers, then this, this, this could be um, compliant with, with, with this standard. But, but still, um, I think this question is, 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 is unanswered yet. Well, because we have so many uh, new possibilities to access websites like mobile devices, like smart home things, like big, huge screens. Yeah? Why do you think it didn't really involve yeah, over the last 10 years? Well, what stopped it from involving? What didn't involve? The, 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 the understanding of the importance of accessibility, what, what you meant before, yeah? I don't know, I guess because there were, were so many different, more interesting topics like JavaScript and what's happening around web standards and so on. So people, um, including myself, uh, focus a lot on developer experience and just um, playing around with tools and uh, like we developers web developers at least are very fortunate we can do pretty much anything we want um, nobody knows what we are doing people want us to build a website and we will just use whatever the fuck we think and um, often we don't think too much about the user but about us or or whatever tool we want to try next so if I'm really into I don't know Vue.js I'm going to use Vue.js um, next time or if I'm going to use React or Android, uh, what's it, uh, Angular whatever uh, people don't think too much about users I think and that's that's one of the issues that people, at least for um, the last few years, thought about a little bit too much about developer experience yeah. and less about user experience. So we are a little bit in an arm race when it comes to developer experience. Yeah, everybody has to use the latest tool, right? Yeah. yeah. But maybe maybe as well one reason um, it is that it's not. Uh, punished enough when we when we don't do the the correct thing so it's it is it, it could seem obvious that if you steal something from a shop then you will be punished because you did the wrong thing and and it could be even obvious that if you you cannot in 2019 now no architect can sign a, a the plans of the building that is not accessible yeah. that is not sustainable so any and if they want to uh, submit these plans to uh, to the European Union, uh, whatever association they have, or even to the, to the construction, it will not be accepted because they don't have a ramp, they don't have a lift, the 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 doors are not wide enough. But so there are the regulations, and there exactly are, there are there's no regulations yet, regulations. or they are not. There are some regulations, but they are not as strong enough mm -hmm. to to say, oh, your website is not accessible. Either you pay a fee or you cannot publish it. Because there will be people in this world that they cannot access your website. I mean, quick, very quick numbers. Last year, we were 7.6 billion people in the world. More than 1 billion people of this 7.6 were has some kind of visually impaired people. It could be 10% glasses, it could be 100% totally blind, it could be color blindness. So when we develop a web application, web shop, whatever 
thing that you want to put online, you obviously want to to get or to arrive to the to the biggest audience possible, right? You're selling something, the world is your audience. But at the end, if you're not accessible, you are you're limiting your audience. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe a bit of evolution in the in the in the mm-hmm. in the legal uh, um, rules. Yeah. I saw that at least for for public websites, so for example from from the city Vienna or from from Austria, from the government, um, there are some rules which they need to follow. There are some laws which yes. they have. So to everything I build for the, uh, I work for the city of Vienna, and everything I have to I build has to be accessible, and I'm really ha- happy about it because I like constraints. You have constraints, you you have to get extra creative and, and and make sure that that, that whatever you do is really good. Um, there are laws. There are laws uh, for Vienna and laws for Austria and even the European Union. Um, so I have to get it right, but most other people don't have to. Mm. So the laws are just for governmental websites, yes. or they would be for everyone? Everything that's public, governmental sites. Yes. So governmental sites have special kind of laws, but are there laws for if I publish a website, do I have to follow some laws? Um, the the WKO yeah. says that you should follow the rules, but you will not be punished. Okay. So it's not not only best practices. That means you need to follow these rules, but no one is gonna okay. punish you. Yeah, I think it's a little bit a clash of the free web yes. and, and what you are allowed to publish them, right? Exactly. There are some exceptions. So if you if you um, if whatever you, your product is, is really popular and a lot of people are using it or have to use it maybe and uh, someone who is for example blind um, can't access your sites and they uh, file a lawsuit then you have to get it right so if it's um, it doesn't have to be governmental but of public interest exactly. uh, an example is uh, about 10 years ago a mobile carrier let's call him Bill or something like that, or Rob. <laughs> uh, they they published uh, the websites, and uh, someone who is who was blind um, wasn't able to use it, and they had to fix it. They, they okay. had to rebuild the whole thing, actually. And we talk about the sort that I heard. I heard about it. You know? we, so we talk to, about the Domino's Pizza website uh, yeah. issue. Like now, the court said that uh, anyone in the states can sue. Um, any retail, so anyone who's mm. making a product or putting a product online. Um, in Spain, we had new laws as well, and not only for public, uh, so governmental uh, websites, but uh, as well websites that they are funded by public money. Yeah, okay. Okay. So if you have an organization who receives grants from the government, you need to be accessible. Yeah, that's a clever, that's a clever rule, I guess. Yeah, yeah. cool. So, but for most people, the situation is like that. There are no laws, so you don't have to. But some people want to, and they have to sell it somehow to their bosses. And that's one of, one of the questions I receive a lot when I, when I give a talk or a workshop. How do I convince my boss that I want to make okay. uh, accessible an accessible site? Because they don't want to. Or they don't want to, to invest uh, in, in making, making it accessible. And is is it then is it more difficult to get it uh, or fix it in post? Yes, definitely. It's it's almost impossible. It's just, I mean, it depends on the website, of course, but it's uh, much more expensive um, if you do it later on. 
if you think about accessibility in the first place, this is where I don't mean when you like uh, open the first document and we get back to what uh, Adrian said earlier. Um, you have to think about it while planning the whole thing, not just the development part, but also the, the conceptual part, the project management, design, everything. Everyone has to be involved in the product and as much as you think about, I don't know, performance or code quality, documentation, testing, you also have to think about accessibility. Mm -hmm. And one of the basic, and I have to say it again because we, we are repeating ourselves a lot, uh, one of the basic building blocks is just markup mm -hmm. and then you um, put on some CSS and some JavaScript and you test a lot, mm -hmm. you make sure that, that, that it works for as many people as possible. Okay, so, so what if I am running a scrum team for a project? What are the things that I would probably miss when I don't consider accessibility in the process? What are the things that I can be sure to have in place to have a better understanding of uh, accessibility and to find issues earlier? Well, definitely uh, testing. Uh, automate some, some, some part of your code. Uh, unit tests, uh, reports. So using automated tools like automated lighters tools, and stuff, you will find okay. again twenty to fifty percent of the issues. Mm -hmm. Definitely manual testing, and as well is the the understanding. It's not. It's, it's definitely not a tech uh, skill. Mm -hmm. It's the understanding that the accessibility is part of the development process. Mm -hmm. So the same thing that we should say: there is no pull request that I will accept. If it doesn't have a test, we need to say, we, I don't accept any pull request that is not accessible. Mm -hmm. the, the code that it comes with it is not accessible. Okay. So if your colleague committed an image without an alt, then you should say, Need work, needs working. Mm -hmm. because, and then you make a comment on it. And like this, you, are, you understand it, and you're making him or her understand it as well. Mm -hmm. But as Manuel just said now, it needs to be a teamwork. It needs to be someone, of course, who proposes it, to, with, who brings the topic, but everyone needs to be on board mm -hmm. from the very beginning. Not only in the tools that, that it needs to be consistent across the team, so not, not you have to have these tools installed in your, in your uh, not only in your computer, but in the project, mm -hmm. but the, the, the consist, the understanding that a designer is Designing a, a button that is beautiful, but it's gonna go to uh, to a developer and pair test it to say, let's see if this button is accessible. Mm -hmm. What is the screen reader is reading when I tap and I focus this button? Mm -hmm. Because again, it's beautiful, but it's accessible. Mm -hmm. Maybe some some kind of well, we have this concept of mob testing now very often, right? Where we test together as a development team at the end of the sprint, right? I mean, we we, can we do it a lot now. Accessibility testing, right? Where Absolutely. We focus on those things also, yeah? Mm, yes and no. Okay. Uh, I would say, yes, definitely, more programming. I love it. We do one per week uh, mm -hmm. at the office. But why accessibility, again, as a feature? Why do we need to focus on accessibility? Are we testing a button? Do I click and I perform the action? I don't. I don't say okay. Let's let's test functionality only. No, you test the you, you test the whole path, right? End to end testing manually, but end to end testing. So I fill a form, I click in the button, it submits. I go to the database. Okay, data is there. Okay, this is an end to end test manually. Okay, why don't you include? Can I do it without a mouse? Mm -hmm. And is it is it is it um, 
relevant, the information. I mean, safe could mean anything, but safe uh, add, safe user, create user. Uh, because sometimes, again, we, we abuse of buttons with icons, with the floppy disk to save. Or I have a, a quick example that I always use, which is telephone number to call somewhere to the support team. So a link is a telephone number. If you tap in this link, the screen reader will read 069917 blah, blah, blah. Number. A number can be anything. It could be a price, it could be the age, it could be anything. But if you add an ARIA label to this link and you change it the context, it's, you, add, 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 you add value to this link to say, call the support team. Maybe you want to give the number because you want to use it from your phone. Then you're adding more context. Then you're adding more value to your user. And again, not only visually impair people like by, by injury or by nature, but for people who are situational or visually impaired. So what are standard procedures that you maybe want to have your developers or your team uh, do before committing a pull request, for example? So you mentioned uh, to be accessible to, without a mouse. So do you expect them, if they have to add some button to the website, to make some uh, interaction without using the mouse? Is, is this standard practice or what? Yeah. yeah. So actually one of the... Um, one of the um, most powerful testing tools um, is the tab key. It will tell you so much about your website. So um, um, I'm also teaching at DELFA in Salzburg and um, I had to, to like check 10 student pro projects in one hour, do 10 audits in one hour. It's like not a lot of time. So the only thing I did is I just used the tab key. I just tapped through the site and see if I could use the site. It will tell you so much. First of all, do you have focus files? So do you see where you are in the page when you're not using a mouse? How good do you see it? So is everything recognizable? Can you access every item that should be accessible? Like a link, a form item, a select, the radio button, and so on. If you can ac access a button and you press enter, does anything happen? If you're using a div, probably not. If you're using a button element, something will happen, usually. Um, if something like a modal window pops up, is the focus in the modal window or is it still in the back? So it will tell you so, so, so much. Yeah. So if there are two things that uh, the, the listeners here want to check on their website, the first thing I would recommend is use one of the tools you mentioned, like Lighthouse or Wave or X, and do some automatic tests and just fix those things because usually, Most of the things that are listed there are low-hanging fruits that you can fix pretty easy. Some things aren't that hard to fix, uh, that, that easy to fix, for example, if you have a corporate design that has um, inaccessible colors in the first place where the contrast is not high enough, it's hard to change that because you have some guidelines that you have to follow. But usually most of the stuff is easy. And the next thing, if you have your zero errors or your 100% score, is use the tab key and try to use the whole website without using a mouse. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, I think this was a very, very, very good introduction <laughs> to accessibility. Really, I liked it a lot. Um, I think it was very valuable. Um, and there were a lot of, of good, easy-to-apply tricks. Yeah, And I think we can maybe even create a little bit of more awareness for this topic with this episode. Yeah? So thank you very much for this, first of all. Uh, usually we, we always close um, our episodes with, with a few highlights from the, from the Viennese community. Yeah, maybe you know we do this podcast 
I'm not to get rich. <laughs> Actually, we have failed <laughs> enormously in this. Um, but we do it to, to give something back to the community. That's why we always have this community ending where we introduce, I don't know, meetups, conferences we like, um, some, maybe some other podcasts here, yeah. something which is going on in, in the very, I would say, fragmented community in Vienna, which people are maybe not aware. Yeah? So is there something about accessibility? Is there accessibility meetup in Vienna right now? It's, it's funny that you mention it. Uh, <laughs> what a coincidence. What a coincidence. Uh, right before meeting to, uh, to record the, uh, the podcast, uh, Manuel and me were, were having a, a beer over the idea to create the accessibility meetup in Vienna, the accessibility club in Vienna. Uh, so we have the first idea how to, how to shape it. And it could it could happen probably early next year. Around early next year, will happen because we we feel that the uh, we have a lot of meetups in Vienna, Vienna JS, React, Angular, UX Vienna, but there's nothing uh, accessibility focused uh, in Vienna. So we feel that uh, it would be nice to to create a forum where everyone can discuss about, can share their their opinions, their product, it doesn't have to be only web accessibility, but product service uh, subscription accessibility. Mm -hmm. So this is going to happen soon. And uh, Assuming uh, it's not yet the, available in December, um, where could people find out where and when it goes live? Uh, we have a already created Twitter account with zero tweets, but it's going to be our platform to communicate. All right. uh, it is under a11y club vienna so accessibility club vienna uh, and there we will we will start announcing mm -hmm. all the all every detail of, of this meetup uh, and manuel is, is um, traveling into this accessibility club the the, the general one is is um it's organizing a summit yes uh, so um there is like this mother event, A11Y Club, Accessibility Club in Germany. Um, and uh, there is a summit, hap summit happening on um, November 15th and 16th, 16th. Uh, in Berlin, um, where a lot of organizers get together. And there is one day of uh, talks and another day of workshops. And it's very affordable. And there are still tickets. So if you want to. So sadly, when this episode goes live, it's gone. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So there was a great event in Berlin happening about accessibility, <laughs> but but usually there are multiple events um, in Germany, in Düsseldorf, in Berlin, uh, in Erlangen as well, and in Vienna we also have a conference called Art Tag, Accessibility Tag. It's um, usually in October. Um, okay. It was on October 10th this year, I think. It's a yearly event, and um, it's by the Austrian or Viennese accessibility community for. Uh, pretty much everyone. It's usually in German, but um, they're open to English talks as well. So that's that's oh. also an event. Cool. I think this is what we call another episode of Development Village. Huh? Exactly. Thank, thank you very you. much. Thanks. Thanks for having us. No, thank you yeah. for having us. <laughs>